Welcome to the weekly game seven. My my name is Alex Adams, your host and my co-host Kamal. Uh, how you doing? Howdy, howdy. And we're gonna get into the week that was. Uh, let's let's start it off. Yeah, so uh, we can jump right into it. Uh, game one. Uh, have have has Demar Derozan really found himself in Chicago? He's playing like an MVP. And the Bulls are tied for first in the East. Now going into the All Star break, every all the games are done for now, or at least the East. And so, yeah, I mean, DeRozan he just broke Wilt's record of uh, consecutive games with thirty five plus points and uh, over fifty percent shooting, which is just just outlandish statistics. Like how how the hell? And it's not like. And that's the crazy thing comparatively to obviously Wilt. Like Wilt was dunking all the time or shots at the rim, right? And DeRozan obviously can get to the hoop, but he's not – the majority of his shots are mid-range, which is just crazy that he's shooting that that well, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's basically like shooting like 45% from three in a sense, right? When you get to those shooting levels where you're shooting around 60 65%, right, Um, for effective field goal. But I think with DeMar – for me, I'd put him at four in my MVP race. Um, I just think offensively, like obviously we meant you just mentioned how well he's been streaking recently, but even his counting stats for the year, it's it's 28, five and five on basically I think it's 50% from the field. He's actually shooting the three kind of well at you know in the low 30s, um, like which is good for him. But um, this team's 38 and 21. Uh, they're tied for first in the East, which is crazy because I, I Caruso's missed 31 games. Ball Lonzo Ball's missed 24. Patrick Williams has only played five games. Uh, Vucevic has been playing better, but hasn't been the greatest this year. And then obviously Levine just got injured and had a little bit of injuries earlier in the year. So it's it's really been a lot of him and Levine, and especially him now. Um, and they kept winning even with Levine injured. Um, so this team's really interesting because you'd think they'd actually have a chance to make it out into the go really deep in the playoffs. And I still think there's a chance, but uh, with all the injuries that they're so uncertain as to how good they'll be in the playoffs, they're kind of a weird, you don't really know what to expect from them, not because of even play necessarily, but just because of circumstance. And they're also a very young team. I mean, outside that core of Vooch, DeMar, uh, Lonzo, uh, Caruso and Levine, everybody is like super young. I mean, one of their like most valuable players in this injury ridden stretch that they've been in has been their rookie, Io uh, Io Desumu. I've heard it's pronounced Desumu, but okay, Desumu. Yeah, I mean, he. Although I've heard from people who like were Illinois basketball fans, I don't follow college at all. Yeah. But everybody said, like, if you watched Illinois basketball, you would know, like, this guy was going to come in and, and wreck shop regardless because mm-hmm. he's just like a workhorse type player. Like, he's always trying to get better. So, you know, the fact that the opportunity has arisen with all these guard injuries has really allowed him to, like, you know, step up. And he's been doing really well in the past couple of games, especially, like I said, with these like he's, injuries. He's had a great rookie year. Like he's, he, he's averaging eight has uh, points a game, three, three assists, like, and he's not a primary ball handler. 
shooting for 52 from the field and, and 40 from three. So like it's, he's just a, and a really tenacious defender. So um, yeah. really cool. I, I know one, I forget who it was, but someone on ESPN, one of their draft analysts actually had him as like a fringe top five pick. Um, and he went in the second round, which is just crazy, but um, shows you just how much of a crapshoot the draft is, but also how uh, if you draft well, like you can really um, expedite team success. And, and he's been a huge reason, in my opinion, mm-hmm. obviously. Other for them than- staying afloat. Yeah, for them yeah, yeah, staying exactly. afloat. Like the success yeah. obviously, you know, starts at the top, but in moments like these where, you know, players are really injured and the COVID issues, I remember they had early on. Mm-hmm. They uh, <clears throat> they've really managed to like keep it all in line, which is huge, which is really important. Um, Billy Donovan's also surprised the hell out of me. I mean, his team is operating as any Billy, Billy Donovan team does. Third in offensive rating, twentieth in defensive rating. Shout out my Wizards. I I lived through the Billy Donovan years, so he yeah. was the coach of the Wizards. Mm-hmm. I don't think sure so. he. Pretty sure he coached the Wizards just for a No, little. I think I think I think you're mixing them up with um he was the coach of OKC uh, Scott then, Brooks. You're thinking of Scott Brooks, I think. I am thinking of Scott Brooks. Damn. Um, it's okay. That's fine. I, yeah. But I, I I will say, like, with regards to Billy Donovan, like he did a really good job in OKC, I think. Um, that you know, the year they almost beat, you know, Golden State in 2016, and then that year in 2020 when it was really funky in that three guard lineup of, of Shea, um, CP and, and Schroeder. But no, I mean, I think, I don't know about you, but if you look at this team, like there's not a lot of great defenders, especially if you're playing Busevich and DeRozan um, and even Levine, like 30, 40 minutes a game, although Levine's been a bit better defensively recently. So I think the 20, I don't know about you, but I think the 20th in defense is more a byproduct of, injuries of injuries and also like they i know before alonzo and caruso were injured they were like a a, i don't know if they were top 10 but kind of a a, like a top half defense which um if they can be around that in the playoffs or even you know like a really like top end um then they can really do a lot of damage to a lot of teams because offensively they should be a juggernaut I mean, the pickups, the pickups of Caruso and Lonzo, I remember during the summer, that was mainly the conversation was that they were, that this Bulls team was really going to be a, a defensive force and the offense would just follow suit in time as really as DeRozan and Caruso and Lonzo and Vooch all kind of settle into their roles. But from the discussions that I was observing, yeah, most people seem to think that. Really? Because I would have said it the other way around in the sense that, um, and and again, you can tell me how you feel, but just looking at this team, I don't know what other people were saying, but I know from like listening to like Zach Lowe and other podcasts, the way, and I, the way I saw it is you have two really good defenders in Caruso and Lonzo. Um, and I think Caruso was coming off the bench to start the year, if I'm not mistaken, but, and, and Pat Williams as well. And then you had defensive liabilities everywhere. And DeRozan, who's a really bad defender who I do yeah. still love Levine, yeah. who's been a really bad defender and Vucevic. So I felt like, they had players to kind of, you know, plug the holes, but they had big holes on defense, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, they definitely did. But they the the deficiencies were at the, at relatively the same positions as their strengths. So, yeah, I always imagined it would balance out like for every DeRozan missed rotation, Lonzo would be there. or Caruso would be there. And that's at the guard level. Vooch was obviously the problem in a sense of he just had to be a really 
solid. Like he couldn't he couldn't give up too many points long term so that it could like it could be made up for mm-hmm. on his with his offensive production, which obviously is there. And yeah, you just can't switch. And if you switch him, he's, he's yeah on an island. Yeah, but they just they just made a really good trade in my or not a trade, but like they just signed uh, Tristan Thompson, which I think. If Tristan yeah. Thompson is willing to fall into like a Dwight Howard 2020 Lakers type role, I think that would be perfect. Like just come off the bench, score a couple of lobs, and just play hard defense and don't give up any rebounds defensively. And yeah. I think if he can come in and do that, Vooch can really unlock himself a bit more offensively and can even give a couple more intense possessions on defense. I mean, I mean, they, they're not playing. I doubt they'd play together. Is, is exactly. That no, yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm no, no, but they way. have a serviceable backup center, which they haven't really had since they mm-hmm. traded all their back- centers away when they when they got Vucevic and Gafford and, and Carter and and yeah. others. So, um, so I, I completely agree. I think um, I'm I'm looking forward to this Bulls team surprising me in the playoffs. Like again, all these players are very like we haven't other than DeRozan, but DeRozan's playoff experience was so long ago and he's matured so much since then. And he's played in San Antonio and he's, you know, he's DeMar DeRozan of the Toronto years is not really the same exact guy that we're looking at right now. No. No. So I'm very curious. Like, I don't know how this team is going to do in the playoffs, but I want to see them do well because they have all the pieces to really give certain team, like any top seeded team at the moment, a tough go of it. So I want to, yeah. but again, they're all very much unproven under those very bright lights and in a situation where they're being directly schemed against for four or five, six games. So I hope, and I think they have the playmaking and the type of players who both in isolation and off ball can operate really well. So I think offensively, they won't have a problem, mm, yeah. but I, I could very easily see their playoff series. Like if they get matched up against like a, uh, like a, like, like Milwaukee, for example, I could see that series very easily. Every scoreline being like one eighteen to one twenty four and yep. one thirty two to one twenty six, like type type scores. You no, know, like just... they 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 should be. They could easily be the best offensive team in the playoffs if they're all healthy. Um, and I'll, and that's that for me. That kind of asterisk doesn't include Patrick Williams, who again, there is apparently some chance he comes back. So. Um, we'll see, but even if they just get Caruso and Lonzo back and have the team that's set there, like you have Caruso, Levine, Lonzo, like it just Demar, Levine are basically twenty-eight point per game players. You have Vucevic, who's a really good kind of twenty and ten, but really good pick and pock offensive uh, uh, center, um, like really good offensive game skills. You know, can go to the um, nice touch at the at the rim. So um, I think uh, you know they could easily have the best offense in the playoffs. Um, and if they're going to really go far in the playoffs, I think it, it's up to their defense. Right. And, and that's resembled in, you know, right now they're fourth in offense and 20th in defense. Um, I think their defense is probably a bit better than that if they have their guys healthy, but is it going to be 12th in defense or eighth in defense? Right. And I think yeah. that's how, they kind of we see like the apex of of, of this team and, and I'm really excited like I think the playoffs this year especially in the in the east are just going to be amazing um and I'm really really excited same yeah let's uh I think that's a good place to leave it let's yeah. uh, move on to game two 
So Portland, since the McCollum trade, which was obviously they've traded, they traded pretty much everyone away, but McCollum was the biggest piece that they traded away, have actually won all three games that they had before the All-Star break. Um, and those were pretty solid games. Like they, I watched the Lakers. They beat the Lakers at full strength. Yeah, um, and, and then they beat the Knicks. Which is not as much, but they came back from like were they, weren't they down like nineteen in the they were down at least nineteen or something like that. Well, that was that was one of the games where the Knicks blew a twenty point lead, mm-hmm. and and then the Trailblazers came back and won one twelve one hundred three. Yeah. Trailblazers beat the Bucks, which was really surprising, and then they also beat the Grizzlies on Wednesday. Yeah, and and in the fourth quarter they were they they outscored the Knicks. 35 to 11. Yeah. They won well, the game by nine. So they were down at least quick math, quick math, 15 going in. So going um, into the fourth. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, 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 sorry. Yeah. And the quarter before, I mean, they were down, they were down bad. Like they, they had been outscored by. Uh, no, they were down 15 going in and they won. Yeah. The quarter by nine. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'll talk about and, the next a little bit more later, but um yeah, it's been very surprising. I mean, Anfrey Simons has just been a one-man wrecking machine for, mm-hmm. for the Blazers. Um, I think across those three games, he's averaging uh, just around 30 points a game. Uh, yeah, and, and, that, and, and that's the crazy thing is that his yeah, he, stats he's even for the year um, themselves have only gone up because he just has way more usage since – uh, Dame and, and and McCollum, you know, through injuries for both, and then McCollum eventually getting traded, right? But yeah. still, like he's shooting forty percent from three this year on seven and a half attempts a game, like that's high volume, <laughs> really efficient shooting, right? So yeah, um, and, and as the number one option, so like teams want anybody but him to beat them. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, another thing, like just to get into the trade, uh, I mean, again, I don't think these stats are as replicable as, as Simon's just because of the sample size. You know, Simon's has been doing this for what, the past month and a half or so, or maybe two months of, of playing really like great offensive basketball. But, you know, Josh Hart in the three games that he's been back, he's averaging 24, five and four. Um, the reason why I don't believe it's rep replicable at least to that extent is that he's shooting 60 percent from the field and 52 from three so like that those numbers will come down just you know law of big numbers but or large numbers but overall like he's been a revelation he's a really solid defender good playmaker like decent playmaker and i mean uh good for him because I, I think he's really a player that if you you want on a playoff team like yeah be your sec you know your first guy off the bench or kind of fourth or fifth starter and you're really happy and um i i really like josh hart and he's a good story so yeah i think think portland um in a weird way the trades worked out but also in a bad way it hasn't because they haven't been tanking they've won four in a row against good teams and they just beat the grizzlies too who have been one of the best teams in basketball the past couple months yeah it's been it's been surprising to see just because i like I think we all thought that Portland was just going to fully blow it up and just start tanking. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they clearly did not want to tank and there's, I mean, that leads me to believe that do these, do they, 
is there a plan for this team? I mean, this is a weirdly constructed roster. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't, I think the, I know from reports and, and, you know, this might all change in the summer of Damas for a trade. And I would honestly, if I were him, cause as much as I like Simons and Hart, I don't think they're on the verge of being a, a like a, a championship level team. Um, maybe you can get someone in free agency, but who in free agency is going to Portland? Although I might, if I was a free agent, but um yeah, it's, it's really weird. They have Nurkic, who's an, a free agent this year. Um, they have to sign Simons, but they have a bunch of cap space, so they could re-sign both those guys. But um, if I were them, I would i don't know how. Maybe maybe do a OKC and just say that um, that Anthony Simons is out with a, you know, a finger injury or make something up and start tanking because – um, they're in the play-in right now, and they if they went on a little run of losing, they could easily be thirteenth um, in, in the conference. Yeah, no, I can see them. I can see them doing some some good things, but I just think their roster is so mis like misaligned. Like they have like six people who could play the guard position, and only one person who can play the set like the center properly, which is Nurk. Um, yeah. So like, I don't know, like I, I want to see them flip like Bledsoe or something. They clearly don't like, they have Justice Winslow and Eric Bledsoe. I don't think you need both of those guys. Like, I think they need to flip one of them into another big man. Um, Cause you know, I, I don't just, think, I don't think Bledsoe has been playing. No, yeah, I don't think so. No, I he might I, be I, injured, but um, anyways, I th- I think good for them, like good for the fan base too. Like it's been a, a like a horrible season in terms of just kind of how everything played out. Mm-hmm. You know, with Dame being injured, McCollum getting injured, um, and just being so listless. And I think, you know, I don't think this team's gonna play that much higher than above five hundred basketball probably to end the year. But at the same time. I'm sure everyone in Portland's really excited about Simon's really blossoming into like a real player. And, and same with, you know, I think Josh Hart is too. And um, it'll just be really exciting f- for this team. And I think it'll, I think this team will look very different in the, in the next off season, but um, I kind of like all the guards and um, you know, they have a, a bunch of young players now. So it's, it's definitely a very different Portland team than, in the past couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. I hope to see them do well just for the sake of parody in the league. I just want every team, if all 30 teams could be good somehow, that would be the, my favorite league. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on to the next one. Who do we feel in terms of all-star game was snubbed? And if we were to replace a snubbed player, who would we take out? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I can take this one um, to start because I, 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 I think definitely, definitely it's it's um, I mean, there's two ways they they, they voted in Andrew Wiggins. Um, so in terms of how do you get rid of that? I don't know. I think the worst player is Andrew Wiggins in the all star game, um, you know, as much as I love another Canadian brethren. Um, uh, I think he's by far the worst player, I think in terms of kind of snubbed in terms of like how the coaches picked, I, I would have taken out Chris Middleton um, and I would have put in uh, Pascal Siakam uh, just because like, 
if you look at Siakam this year, he's averaging 22, 9, and 5, which is on 50% from the field, 35% from three, which is like all NBA numbers. Um, and Chris Middleton's been – it's been a bad year for him. Like, I'm not saying he's bad, but he's averaging 19, 5, and 5, but only 44 from – uh the field percent from the field but also only 35 from three and you know he's normally a sharpshooter and you know having a down year but um and then if you look at the two teams you know uh coaches really rely most of the time on on voting for teams that win and the bucks are only two and a half games ahead of the raptors and uh one team has Giannis and the other does not so um and Giannis has been quite healthy relatively so for me, it's obviously Siakam's the snub, and I think um, the way it panned out, I, th- I I was really surprised that Middleton got a got an All Star selection because I don't think he was he was worth it mm. or deserving. Um, not that he's bad or anything. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think obviously like the the Wiggins voting situation was very funny. Um, yeah, but yeah, I think that's that's really the only change that I would make. Um, like as well. Like there, I don't see. I'm looking at the rosters right now, and I don't. There's nobody who comes to mind that's not on these lists that I would want to replace any of these people. If that makes sense, like yeah, and other, other other than Siakam, like you mentioned Siakam, that's the only one that I could. If if you had a gun to my head and told me replace one of these all star all player all star players, that's probably the only argument I could make. Other than that, everybody else, I guess, like. Yeah, like everybody else, I feel like fits pretty well and has been having a and, good year. And to, be, and to be fair, like because of like there's been what three, four injury replacements, like yeah, Dejounte, yeah, uh, uh, Lamelo Ball and and Jared Allen. Yeah, those um, three, and and Jason Tatum, but that's a starter replacement. Yeah, that he already made the All Star game. Yeah, but, by um, votes, he was just the eleventh vote getter. Yeah. But I mean, overall, like I, I think all those guys are deserving, and I mean, it's just because they have to pick twelve guys to make it rather than necessarily that. Like th- that's why, like I, I forget who it is, but it's like if you want, if you want to say someone got snubbed, you have to say who they'd replace, right? Because it's kind of you know, there's so many great guys, especially right now in the NBA. I think the talent is just insane right now, and. Yeah. And so to say someone's deserving is quite easy to say someone got snubbed is I think a bit foolish unless you have kind of um, more kind of someone that you take out. So, so for me, it was quite easy, Um, but yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, as well as the fact that just like the upper crust of, of NBA players is, as you said, like the talent pool has really grown. And so, it becomes split it becomes a splitting hairs thing you know it's like are you going to value points per game more assists more efficiency more yeah Yeah. or winning like where where do you start drawing the line so like i feel like you know ultimately i'd I'd expand all-star rosters by at least one like one more player and i believe nba rosters you have to have 13 active players or like you need 13 fully like that's the premise of it, like why there's 12 mm-hmm. All-Stars. And right now I think they've kind of changed in recent years, like um, to kind of expanded rosters. So if that's the case, I just increase it by um, how much they've expanded rosters, which I think is just one extra sp- spot in my opinion. And I think if you do that, you don't really have a lucky, you don't have a Joe Johnson All-Star 
mm. or you don't understand how this guy's made the all-star game like six and a half, six, seven times. Um, not that he's a bad player, but I don't think you think of six time all-star uh, Joe Johnson, um, which is the same amount Jimmy Butler has. And I think we all know who's a better player. So, yeah, I just yeah. think I think the difficulty with adding an extra roster spot to the all-star games is the fact that all-star all-star appearances is tied to Hall of Fame. Yeah. And contracts and stuff like that. So I feel like it's I'm not opposed to it. Like I agree. I think it wouldn't be a bad idea. Um well, but, I, I could be mistaken, but I think all NBA is actually tied to contracts more so than all stars, but I could it is, but there there are still there it is. It's definitely like an, there is like an incentive as well or something. Yeah, there's incentive, but there's incentives for both, is the problem. Oh. Um and so as well as the the tying of all star appearances to Hall of Fame ballots, so no, I I agree, but I mean, okay, the, I'm not opposed though. Like, I think it would be a good idea, but this is the first year that I feel like the snubs conversation has been relatively limited. As in, like, there I have not heard other than Siakam. Siakam is really the. But only I think big that's one. because there was like three replacements, like all the guys that you would have seen got snubbed. But I, I don't disagree necessarily, but, but but the replacements who so Zach Levine is one of the people who's being replaced. No, he. I don't think he is officially. He's. Oh Even no, he, he isn't. Yeah, he isn't. He isn't. Yeah, yeah. Replaced. So I don't. I that. So then, and if who, he does, I'm sure it goes to Siakam. But uh, who? Who are these? Who? Who's being replaced? I. I'm blanking right now. So I. Yeah. So just I think I already said it, but it's Allen. Jared Allen got replaced. No, Jared Allen is the replacement. Oh, who's like who's actually got replaced? So James Harden's hurt. Kevin yeah, James Grant is hurt, and Draymond Green is the other. Oh one. yeah, Draymond Green. Yeah. Um, so three, yeah. but that's that's that is, that's only. But there's four replacements: Jason Tate, Jason Tatum, Lamelo Ball, Dejounte Murray. No, no, Jason Tatum only replaced KD as in the starter, but not as like as a replacement in the All Star game. Like he made it through mm, as a okay. decision. Like okay, with, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, because replacement one, LaMelo Ball, was selected as Kevin Durant's replacement. Okay, yeah. so LaMelo is K- KD's replacement in yeah. terms of roster numbers. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, like, I think it's pretty, yeah, like, yeah. I really I, don't I think know we can, we can. I think we can go to the Knicks, you know. We can go from the highs of, you know, how great players are to the lows of being a Knicks fan. I think, yeah. I think that's a good trend. I think that's a good, I think that's a good call. So, yeah, uh, top game four. Knicks have lost their last three games after leading by 20 points at one point or another. Crazy. Like that, that I do know if that's happened before. Did they? But anyways, continue. Yeah. And I, I've watched two of those three games and it's like, I can't even tell you what the hell happens. Cause it's not like the Knicks get really hot to start. And then, the other team just catches up and it balances out at the end of the night. It's like the Knicks just decide that their 20 point lead is cushy enough. And then they just like seemingly just kind of take their, like defensively take their foot off the gas a little bit. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly that, and their timing is like super poor in terms of the other team heating up. But this is, this has to be structural because that's like, you can explain one game like that, which is one of the games that I watched. That's almost exactly what happened. The Knicks eased off, and then the other team just decided to not miss for that entire stretch of time. Yeah. So they just erased the gap super quickly before the Knicks could like wake back up. 
and, but, and they're, yeah, sorry. Yeah, go, no, I was going to say, go ahead. No, I mean, it's just, they've just been such a, bleh, like a blah team, like the whole year, right? And um, I think I'm just trying to find out. So, like, they've been a decent defensive team, but offensively, it's just like, per, they're they're 24th in, 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 in offense, right? And, and you can tell, like, they don't, they, they play Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle together, two guys that really, I mean, uh, Julius Randle shot well one year and he was awesome. He isn't shooting well this year to have Mitchell Robinson with it. Doesn't make a lot of sense. You give, give him no space um, mm. as a non-shooting, just like a rule. I mean, I don't hate Mitchell Robinson, but they're just not that good. And I think Tibbs has done a really bad job this year. Um, you know, they were great last year, but uh, why isn't he playing Cam Reddish at all? You know, um, they literally just gave up a first round pick and he refuses to play him unless it's garbage time until recently. Um, and even then it's been, you know, sporadic. Yeah. I think, and they, I think, yeah, sorry. And I was going to say, I think the, the last year's Knicks team was kind of an anomaly yeah, because yeah. it was a lot of play. It wasn't just Julius Randall overplaying or like, exceeding expectations but it was also like uh derrick rose was playing like exceptionally well and that's not to say that derrick rose is playing like complete shit this year but derrick rose also is like injured this year yeah um so he he is expected to actually return next week and he'll help um yeah he'll definitely help just because they can like the Kemba saga has been like a disaster where Tibbs benched him for a while and then he came yeah. back and like dropped 40, but he's like regressed back now. Yeah, he's like, still not that good. I do, I have a kind of theory that I just thought of is, you know, like last year, the NBA offensive efficiency was like, just like crazy. And, you know, there's been a lot of people that have talked about, you know, is it just because there's no fans? So people, you know, it's easier to shoot. There's less pressure. Like practice um, arena environment and then also defenses were horrible because they just didn't give a you know rats ass because there's no one in the you know there's no one to boo them right yeah and stuff like that um but i think with the knicks like they had rj they had um randall all these other guys shooting like the career percentages from three as the whole league was right and i think that kind of glossed over how bad offensively they you know were and they still weren't a great offensive team, but it just kind of – they really outperformed offensively, and, and they had a good defense, so it really helped. Um, and now because, you know, there's fans in the stands and, you know, people have just regressed more to the mean, um, especially also it's a longer – a slightly longer season. I think that's really why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, although I think R.J. Barrett the past two months has been really good and, and looks better than – he did last year. And I think that's the one bright area this team has, but um, just not a well construct. Like they have too many bigs, too many bigs that don't space the floor. Um, and just their offense is super clogged. I don't understand Fournier signing. Um, I mean, I get it maybe a little bit, but as you're like marquee signing, he's a good three point shooter, but not great. He's an okay passer, but not great. He's not a, you know, he's not a, amazing like iso guy and they kind of thought he'd be the problem to their bad you know half court offense and like i i don't know what they were thinking me neither to be honest and like it seems like they're just throwing stuff at the wall and hoping something sticks because like 
Yeah, like as you said, RJ Barrett is really the only bright spot of this Knicks team this year and that like, he's continued to develop even in this terrible environment. I want him to get traded, to be honest. I want him to go somewhere else. I uh, want him to stay when they get like a big like kahuna in free agency and and then him be like the the Pippin. That's but who that's but who but who wants to go to the Knicks is my question. I mean, honestly, if I was if I got a really good coach, um I, I'd go there, but yeah, like, I just I, think I, I would love to see him like go to like OKC or something and like be part of that like insanity there. That um I, I don't love it because I don't know. I feel like he just got traded as soon as he became even more of valuable. Of course, um, they, plus you'd have three you'd have three ball dominant guys in Shea, Giddy, and RJ Barrett. So oh, I thought like... you were gonna say Lou Dort. Um not really. <laughs> uh Bro, I have a Ludor jersey. There is no slander. We do not slander. No, I love Ludor. God. I, I love yeah. Ludor, man. Anybody who puts as much effort as he does on defense has no, earned, no, no, I don't, has earned my respect. The, the craziest thing, like I, he's got better offensively. This is a tangent, but I want it. Um, yes, is that he's gotten better offensively, but it's like he's averaging like seventeen a game, and he's like shooting thirty nine percent from the field, and it's like, oh, he's actually like you watch him like oh he has like nice handles he can shoot off the dribble and then you look at it and it's like 33 percent from three but it's like he's taking all their shots like when, especially when Shea gets hurt as he always does right and and giddy shoots a, a bit but um no okay so, okay so he seems like a blast to play for to be honest but, like they're, cur- no, they're, they're winning team. way too much they're winning <laughs> they're not taking more <laughs> than they should be they should be the worst team in the league like talent wise how like orlando has more talent than they do like i love giddy and i love shay and i love lou Dort, um and i think they're really good players but they still with that lineup should be the worst team in the league and they're like i think fourth or fifth like i don't know what it is i'll double check but anyways um going back to the knicks i i think they need to fire tibbs i think he was great last year and, and showed that you can be like a good organization that's decently run but you have all these young players and he's not a development coach. Right. And I think with Obi Toppin, Emmanuel quickly, RJ Barrett, even Quentin Grimes, uh, the Grimes guy looks decent. Um, I think they need a more develop development coach. And, and this is the name I'd think of. And I, I'm, I don't know, like if you've thought about him for, but I think Kenny Atkinson would be great there. Um, wow. I haven't heard. I haven't thought of Kenny Atkinson in, for in a while, but I think that'd be the, you know, he basically got Katie, and Kyrie there um, to, to Brooklyn in the sense of like, just be co- creating a culture, right. With a lot of young players. And I think that that's who like, it doesn't have to be him, but that kind of coach. Yeah. Um, but and that's especially with how target because yes, I think he's a really good coach. He is, especially with how surprisingly good that Nets team with all the young guys did before the big signings, when everybody knew that those signings were coming. Yeah, um, no, exactly. And then just fire him when you get the big free agents, like uh, because Kyrie doesn't like you. Um, do that too. Um, but yeah, you get what I mean. Eight, eight of the current Knicks roster are rookies, second years, or third, or yeah, rookies, or have played one or two years in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. That's so like RJ, yeah, yeah. So like, yeah, the, the and, then, longest... and then everyone else is like a fifteen-year vet. Yeah, <laughs> and then you've got. Guys. Yeah, then you've got Derrick Rose, Taj Gibson, Kemba Walker, Alec Burks. Those are those are all guys in double digit uh, Fournier. seasons. Fournier um, must be close. Yeah, Fournier is this is his ninth season. Yeah. Uh, so Fournier is almost there. 
Maryland's is on year seven. So, yeah. So I mean, that's if, what if I you... mean. They have this disconnect. And I mean, every team has it. The Raptors even have it as, you know, a homer. But um, I, I think that's where the team should go. Because I think RJ and those guys can, you know, you still need, I think, keeping Derrick Rose or keeping even Alec Burks or whoever isn't bad. But um, I think you have enough talent there to have the same record that you have right now but a way more pleasant environment and yeah it's getting better yeah okay okay see style like you can still win yeah. games and stuff but you need the the focus has to be development first and i think this next team is like torn between trying to win and trying to develop and i don't think and can, Tibbs can, is not the coach that plays everyone 40 minutes a game and it's yeah. like well no you need to play cam reddish like I, i'm not saying cam I, I don't know if cam reddish will be a really good nba player but you just traded a first round pick for him. He has enough talent to try like to play yeah. more. I just Yeah, like what what are they seeing in practice that is not that has pushed them to not play him is is yeah. a, a very important question. I agree with you. I mean he wasn't killing it in Atlanta anyways, but no, but that team was super deep with a lot of NBA guys and he was playing better this year than he had in previous years. So exactly. like, I, yeah. I, um, I hope they don't stymie his development. Now let, let let's move on to a much better like culture and environment and and yeah. let's let's go to the the best culture that is in in, in the United States uh, basketball wise in in heat culture the you know yeah heat uh, culture so how, the most, yep how the hell do they have the best record how are they tied with Chicago for the best record in the, like how are the two best teams in the East two of the most injury ridden how teams? are the yeah how are the two best records those teams that not a slander on those teams, but more a slander on everyone else being so, you know, poopy um, with regards to their record. But like, if you look at this team, like Lowry missed 13 games, Butler's missed 19 games, uh, Bam's missed 25 games. Right. And, and it's just guys like Caleb Martin on a two way Max Strauss, Gabe Vincent's been a phenomenon, Tyler hero. um, Yeah. Tyler, Tyler hero is really coming to his own this year. I feel like we're seeing, we're nearing the final stages of his evolution in terms of as a player where he's like really honing in on his skill set and what he brings night in, night out. No, no. Um, he's a really good offensive player. It'd be nice if he played some defense, but um, it's just kind of small. Yeah. But I mean, I just think he could be a better defender, but overall he's a really nice young, like perfect. The role he's playing is perfect for, for, I think, in my exactly. Opinion, and he's buying into it. That's that's the thing. Like I feel like in past years, anytime people would be frustrated at Tyler Hero is because he was still in his developing experimentation phase. And so he was there would be a lot of nights where he'd have poor nights because he was just trying stuff, which I think is great that Eric Spolstra and that heat organization gave him the room while they were trying to win. Yeah. Um and so now I feel like he's really settling down as a as a player and just honing it like rather than experiment it's now time to to tweak and adjust and tighten the screws on your on your moves and on your skill set and all that stuff so i I'm, I'm i'm loving what i'm seeing of him i think he definitely does have a couple more iterations i think i think he needs to bulk up a little bit uh not too much where he compromises his speed and agility and dexterity but i think it would help him a lot both offensively and defensively he has a bad habit of getting bumped really yeah. easily by bigger guys on like offense fading away unnecessarily. That's, that's kind of how I feel with him. Like offensively, it's like he makes mm-hmm. takes shots that he 
he doesn't need to make it that hard. Like almost kind of Jason Tatum y. Yeah. Um, and and stuff. But I mean, like for him, like good for him. Like he's bought in and and he's, you know, I, I forget if this who it was, but someone said, like, it's not who cares if you start it. It's all about if you end games, right? Exactly. And, um, I mean, I haven't watched enough heat games to know if he's always ending the game, but you know, he definitely can. I don't know if he will in the playoffs. Um, not that he can't, but he's playing the most minutes of his career and he's starting, you know, basically all the games that they're injured, but you know, he's still a bench player. So uh, I really like this fit for him and I think he's been really good. And um, they just find so many good players like, you know, Gabe Vincent, Max Strauss, Caleb Martin, like all just really tough defenders. And this team in the playoffs, I do not want to play. Um, I think, I think, kind of my worry is how good is their offense um i think they can be a good to really good offense but can they be a really great offense that's um, the problem offenses like i always think back to the utah jazz houston Rockets series back in like 2016 2017 2018 like those those series always illustrate to me because the jazz were always like this offensively stunted team mm-hmm. where once the playoffs rolled around man they would be lucky if they could crack 70 points in three quarters. Yeah. Like it was appalling to watch this team. I don't, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, I don't think the heat, like they're seventh in offense this year. And I think they just, with guys like hero, they have a lot of sh- like playmakers. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the reason why I'd, I'm not worried that there'll be a, a good, like a really good offense. It's just, I think overall that's kind of where's their ceiling is kind of, can they generate enough half court offense? Um, I think they have the playmakers too, but a lot of the times in the playoffs, you know, everyone knows your set, everyone knows what you're running and it's just how good is your best player. And I mean, Jimmy Butler showed it in 2020 that, you know, you're good enough to be, to make the finals, but are you good enough to, to take that next step? And I, I'm just a bit, you know, a, a bit less, um, a bit more skeptical, I guess, that they can win the championship. But do I think I want to play them at any point in the playoffs? No, I do not. I agree. Yeah, they they don't seem like a fun team to play in the playoffs, but I also don't see them doing too much damage really? this year. Just be, Yeah, just because the East is – there's other teams that match up against them really well this year in the East. Like, I think if they run into Chicago, for example, I don't yeah. see them getting past Chicago. Um, yeah, I mean, I think again, like you want to hope that everyone's healthy for the playoffs. You can't presume that, but I mean, Marky um, Morris is seemingly dead at this point. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, I, I think they have enough without him, but I mean, he's still a good player. Yeah, um, and and same with Oladipo. I mean, they they picked up Oladipo a while ago, and he's not even he hasn't even been cleared for full court work yet. Yeah, so, like I mean, Oladipo, I feel is like just a big wild card that could be great but could just be Kemba Walker on the Knicks you know like I I, 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 and that's not I like Kemba Walker but my point is that it's kind of a hit or miss I think overall for this team if probably if 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 the Nets and maybe even the Sixers are fully healthy you probably like them and and Milwaukee Mm -hmm. but if any of those guys are off their game or you know a little injury here or there I think this team can definitely make the finals and then you make the finals. Anything can happen. Exactly. Like, so I think, I think they will be interesting just because they always are. Eric Spolster is too good of a coach for his team to just yeah. like fizzle out stupidly. Like 
Yeah. They they would genuinely like the Heat only seem to lose when someone on the other team just goes nuclear and there's really there's nothing you can do about that for you can't do anything about a player dropping 45 or you know on you like mm-hmm. shit happens. So like I think as long as they're able to contain the best player on any team and defensively they match up really well against most teams but I just feel like they won't be able to match output with a lot of the really high octane teams Mm -hmm. um like they just don't because they don't have like who on that team if need be can drop 40 a night or drop 40 in the playoffs for them doesn't have to be every night but just for like one game or two games I don't like who I wonder who is the highest. They, you know scorer. what they need? They they need they need to go to back to the bubble, man. They yeah. <laughs> um, like I'm, I'm yeah, no, no. I I think that's the intro, and I think this is why I'm really excited to watch them in the playoffs. Is mm-hmm. can elite ball creation, um, kind of put out a little bit of the lack of elite elite one on one ISO scoring? Because I think. Let's say you have a like, I mean, Tyler Hero is not a creator for others, but um, like just Jimmy, Kyle, and Bam, those are all elite, elite passers, right? And elite scorers, uh, uh, you know, maybe to a lesser degree, but they all can score, especially like Lowry and and um, and uh, Jimmy Butler can get you 30 on any night. Um, yeah but it's what are the shots they're getting for you? And I think Tyler hero really makes sense because it's a guy that can score one-on-one, um, but he's not Kevin Durant. Right. And so that's, it's kind of, can a team um, kind of outplay or outwill like the most talented player on the other team. And that's why I kind of think if they played the nets, I kind of like the nets, even though the nets would, they'd give up a lot of points like defensively. Um, I just don't know how they like shut down Kyrie and KD enough to to kind of um, to outscore them, if that makes any sense. No, absolutely. Like that's that's exactly my my thought process. Like at the end of the day, in the playoffs, they it ends up being who who has the best go get a bucket player. Yeah, and a lot of the time. Yeah, and you know, Jimmy, I don't get the same level of confidence that I do out of like a KD or current. No current DeRozan or he, he does get to the foul line a lot which is a good thing but yeah but, but but that's you see there therein lies a key issue where you this is something that I've always been taught basketball wise which is that you cannot play your strategy cannot be based around the refs bailing you out no no I, I know what you mean I mean yeah I, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying that's that Jimmy it, but I just mean like he it's kind of like why Daryl Morey for years was saying like like James Harden's the best offensive player ever or whatever, but like this, the analytics don't lie to an extent. Like if you get a, like if you're averaging 10 free throws a game, like that's much more efficient than shooting, you know, 50% from like the floor on, on a little bit of shooting. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think overall um, it, it, but I agree, but I, I don't think that's kind of the game plan if that makes any sense, but um, do you, do you want to move over to to the Bucks and Sixers? Or yeah, you... let's yeah let's uh, we can move on. Um, this, is, this was your topic, just so the listeners know. Yeah, Bucks Sixers. I I watched the game last night. For those of you who secret recording time, this is actually we're recording on Friday today. Yep. Um, 
and yeah, this game was a blast to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, it was oh. a lot of fun to watch this game. Uh, both teams played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, but Philly's just final minute defense was so on the ball. Like the the Bucks really were unable to get like a clear three for two possessions in a row. And even though the Bucks managed to do something that I've never seen with under five seconds, well, not never seen, but like it's a very rare sighting. With under five seconds, they managed to force the other team who had possession and the lead to turn the ball over and get another shot at it. Mm-hmm. Um, which was ridiculous in my eyes. Like Philly inbounded the ball to Corkmaz right on the sideline. And man, you never want to inbound right <laughs> on the sideline because he just got like all that happened was like a hip bump and he stepped out of bounds. So yeah. immediate change of possession uh, with time and Milwaukee still had a timeout. So they were able to advance the ball, um, but they just played great, great defense. And of course it was a little bit easier just because they knew that Milwaukee had to get a three. Mm-hmm. So, and the only player on the court who was going to shoot a three was going to be Chris Middleton. Yeah. So like Chris Middleton's final shot was an air ball. Yep. Um, that, that like, uh, did you have more to say or, or can I? No, that? you go ahead. Jump in. No. And I think like, that's what scared me in the playoffs last year. Um, when, especially when they played Brooklyn, um, was every time it became tight, you're like, well, Chris Middleton's probably having to score for you. And I really like him. He was great especially in that game seven against Brooklyn, but it's not Kevin Durant. It's not Devin Booker. It's not Jimmy Butler. It's not LeBron. Right. And, and, or you can, you know, I can name a couple like many more James Harden, even although I'd rather maybe have Chris Middleton at the end of the game in the playoffs and then James Harden, but um, just on talking about the bucks and we'll go to the Sixers, but I think that's the kind of worry is in these tight games, like how will they survive? And and they kind of got lucky against Brooklyn um, and, and in the other ones, you know, I think if the game is really close, they can still win with Giannis, but once it gets into that, we just need threes, um, which is just very specific for maybe the last 30 seconds of like a close game. Um, that is like a big problem for me. Cause I just don't think they have that kind of guy that can just, and the problem is, is that they're never. the guys who they might kick to as like they would have you think that the play is going to go to Chris Middleton, but it actually goes to Brooke Lopez. He's out indefinitely. Um, or Pat Connaughton, you know, he's who's not a great. I mean, he's he's he meant, a good shooter in the yeah yeah yeah, but he's you know something like they gave away their only two spot up three like one of their only two spot up three guys in Dante DiVincenzo. Mm-hmm. Um. That like wasn't obviously Brooke Lopez. Oh wow, Connaughton shooting forty percent from three. So maybe you do want to give him the ball a little bit, or I mean, yeah, like he, ball. yeah, like Connaughton. Connaughton can hit the three for you, but he's not a volume three point shooter. He's not no. like a he's not a Duncan Robinson, you know. No. So he'll get you maybe two three threes a night, but he's he's just an all around oh. solid offensive player. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. Like it's, they, the strategy seems to be never let yourself be in that position, which again, not a bad principle to have as a team. Like just don't ever be down by more than two. Um, especially because they know like they have the definition of like a perfect, uh, two point getter in Giannis. Like you have so many ways. My worry is like tight games in the last two minutes, right. Where 
Giannis's lack of, I mean, I think he also showed that with his free throws and, and just being so dominant offensively that mm-hmm. he can overcome a lot of that. Um, but I still think a question is like, you play a bit of a, like a better team um, than the ones they played in the playoffs. Although I, you know, I think the Suns are better this year, but I also think they kind of had an easy, easy route um, because of injuries and, and everything. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's in my that- kind of worry is like, if they play the Nets full strength, even without Harden or the Sixers, um, how are they getting kind of staying in those close games, right? Yeah. Giannis, Giannis in the game against Philly, though, is is showing me the kind of stuff that you want to see based on the concerns that you're expressing here. Because Giannis had almost exactly the same amount of bas- uh, baskets made from outside the key as inside yeah. the key. Yeah, which uh, just makes him unstoppable. And yeah, like, I mean, he, I, shot, I, he shot 50% from three that night. Like he had, he was two of four, which is again not that's about as much volume as you would ever ask of him, I think, or want really. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe three of six is about as far as you'd push it, but I don't think you want Giannis taking more than six threes because those are six offensive possessions where he didn't drive, <laughs> put put downhill pressure on the team, um, on the opposition. But Philly, Philly impressed the hell out of me, man, and I'm I'm really curious to see how the how the guard minutes get divvied up once Harden enters the lineup, because, man, every Philly guard really deserves their flowers this season for how well they've kept stuff going. Like, I think of, like, uh, like Tyrese Maxey has been amazing yeah. to me. Granted, he was horrifically inefficient last night. Um, uh, and he didn't play all that great. Like, he had 19 points, four, four assists, and two rebounds, but... He was just all over the place. And defensively, he really made it difficult for Milwaukee to get the ball to Giannis easily. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even out-rebounded Giannis, I think, on the last play of the game yeah. uh, to, to secure the rebound off of Chris Middleton's first three-point attempt before they managed to get that turnover and get the ball back on the second try. Um, so, like, you know, he's he just plays his ass off. And... I mean, obviously, you drop him. Like he, he played forty minutes last night. Wow! I don't think. Wow. Yeah, I don't think. I don't think he's gonna play. No. I mean, he he played three more minutes than Embiid, which is so <laughs> funny. I um, mean, yeah. But... So, like you know, I think I think Maxi is definitely gonna drop down to about probably like twenty eight minutes a game. I think it'd be in the thirties. That, that, um, I think I think that's the interesting thing. Like, do you think Maxi's? I think he must still start. Yeah, but the thing is. Yes and no. I think Matisse Seibel is pretty important to their defensive game plan, even though he didn't really play that much. He only played 14 minutes last night. Yeah. Um, and so, like, but he was he was on every defensive play. Like, in the last minutes, they kept swapping Matisse Seibel and Korkmaz. Um, Korkmaz also had a great game. He's not great defensively, but he's he's, like, Matisse Thibel and Fork and Korkmaz combined together would make the most perfect three and D player ever. Yep. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think the minutes are going to come away from those three guys. I think Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel and Furkan Korkmaz are all going to have to like split their minutes and their touches with James Harden taking the bulk from all three of them. Yeah. But I, I think of those three, uh, Korkmaz is probably going to, lose the most yeah um like to me the way i do it um, unless they like fully just 
don't play Danny Green. Yeah. I think I think it's basically you have Danny Green or Tyrese or um, Tyrese or Matisse Tybal as that three, and then you know the rest of the four with Maxi Harris and, and Embiid and, and Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'd put uh, Tybal. I'd start. Um, I mean, you, whoever. I, for me, it matters again, as I mentioned before, it, who ends the game. Um, mm-hmm. Mac, like I mean, with Harden, I think they're going to get so many open looks. And I think if Tybal can just be like a good open, like wide open shooter, um, you know, that 35%, then that's all you need, right? Um, yeah. Only shooting, I think, 28% this year, which is really bad. Um, but I think if he gets more open looks, you'd think it'd get a bit better. And if that can just like, you know, I think his rookie year, he wasn't that bad from three. So um, I think that's kind of interesting for them because defensively, he's just like an ace right mm. so it'll be interesting to see and danny green's old you know old reliable right yeah. but uh i think it really depends on on that and um it's kind of weird because tybal himself shot great from three in his first year not great but like league average 36 percent, and it's been below to 30 percent ever since which is just kind of weird yeah and i want to quickly touch on joel Embiid from from last night's game the dude is un believable um Joel Embiid like I'm it's it's really impressive to see a guy of his size and like not just size and height but size and like just he's a humongous human being yeah and he moves like he's four or five inches shorter than he actually is yeah he's so graceful yeah and he always says like just like Akeem you know he gives credit to like his soccer origins for helping him really help like clean up his footwork before he started playing ball um but, like, yeah, I mean, the dude had 42 points on insane efficiency. Uh, he only had one, two, three, four, five, six. He only had six misses. Wow. Um, wow. And he, he shot three of four from three. He had a ton. He only had three baskets from right under the basket. He had mm-hmm. a lot of uh, jumpers that last night. Yeah. Which which makes sense because the paint is obviously really packed with Giannis in there playing defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just crazy watching him. Like it was one of the most like casual forty two points I've seen in a while. I mean, granted, he works hard on every possession. Like he was on the floor a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't. I don't want to say it didn't didn't look like he really fought for it, but like it was a very quiet forty two. Like all of a sudden, I checked. Or they put up the graphic and he was at like 34. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. I thought he had like 26. Um, so like, yeah, no, he's he's just amazing. He's he's my current MVP candidate personally, because he's playing in a very unconventional situation and his team is still playing extremely well, and he's playing ridiculously well. Um, I honestly don't like it's him and Giannis. So seeing both of them go head to head, and they both played their I mean, passes I, off. I actually have neither of them as my MVP, but mm. um, I have Jokic. I think I think yeah. just considering how how efficient. I mean, for me, it's it I, as much as I I really like Giannis. I think it's him or Embiid, um, like Jokic or Embiid as as MVP, and and we can talk about that you know closer to the end of the year. But I think yeah. with with Embiid, it's just it's just he's so graceful such good movement can shoot can really do everything and is such a great defensive player although he doesn't switch um which is which isn't a bad thing necessarily but 
Um, will be interesting to see with James Harden, the perennial switcher on, on defense. But um, is there anything else you wanted to touch upon? No, no. I think we can move on to game seven now, which is uh, are the Celtics for real uh, now? Like, have they managed to correct the ship after they had a bit of a rocky start to the season? They would win a couple and then drop a couple and then win a couple and drop a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, but just before their loss to Detroit last night, was it last night? Yeah, no, two nights, uh, two, uh, two nights ago, nine, five, 16. Yeah. And they only lost by one point to Detroit. Uh, they were on a nine-game nine win streak. Yep. And these were nine dominant wins. I mean, four of those wins were by more than 20 points. Like, they beat, uh, they beat Miami 122-92. Uh, they beat Orlando 116-83. And then they beat Brooklyn 126-91. And those... Orlando and Brooklyn games were uh, back, like not back to backs, but they were the two games that they played after each other. Mm-hmm. And then they beat before the Detroit loss. They beat Philly one thirty five eighty seven, which is almost a fifty point win. Yeah, um, yeah, that was pretty incredible. Yeah, I mean Philly also just could not buy a bucket that night, so like it was definitely a very uniquely, and they just couldn't miss. I mean, I think they had as a team in the first quarter they had nine threes. Which you're not you're not coming back from that. No. Uh, so, you know, it was it was just a crazy like they they've really like holding teams holding multiple teams, especially playoff caliber teams, to sub a hundred points is insane. Um, yeah. and so I've I've just been crazy impressed with them. Like it seems like this is this is the team this is the Celtics team that Celtics fans have in their head. Yeah. Um, and it's finally actually showing up on the court. Um, the big thing has been the defense has re- like everybody seems to have really bought into the defense because like the team's offense was never in question. They were never a team. I, that I, really... I actually, anyways, you can keep, keep like, offensive scheming wise. Yeah. Like they had their problems. I remember we talked about it last time that the two J's like just always want to shoot the ball. So it's easy for teams to but scheme against them. Wise. Yeah, but yeah, talent wise, they have bucket getters, you know, like putting points on the board has never been an issue based on the roster. It's just more scheming and play design and and who has the ball at what moments. But it was always going to be the defense that made or break made or broke this team. And they've jumped up to now their second in defensive rating in this season. I'll I'll push back on that a bit because I think, Mm -hmm. you know, they've been, I know, um, I don't know if it's at least in the win streak, they've been the best defensive team by like a mile, um, but they were a really good defensive team to even before the streak. I mean, they haven't, they weren't as good, but they were still like top five in defense and, mm-hmm. and in the early twenties, I think I get your ideas. your or what you're saying about like the defense puts them over the top. Again, I think you need a top, top defense to win, to be a really good team, especially in the playoffs. So I don't disagree, but I think for them, it was, how do you get the offense to not be stagnant? How can you make it an elite top offense? And I think with the, you know, even before Derek Wright, but especially with him and and Marcus Smart, I think has been a much better passer too this year, that kind of evolution of the team being able to create open looks, move the ball, not have it just kind of stop. And, and let's just hope Jason, the, the, the double J's 
um, bail them out of possessions has really improved. And I, even with this streak and winning by a lot, they're still only 15th in offensive efficiency and, and they've been, you know, one of the top offensive teams in this win streak. So for me, it's how good can that offense be? Um, Cause defensively, like you look at it, like they can, everyone can switch, right? You have Marcus smart, Derek white, um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Williams or Horford and all those guys are really good defenders to elite defenders. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I just think it's offensively. How do they make it not stagnant? And that's why I really like Derek white because mm-hmm. he's not the kind of guy that will like, I mean, he's still average. I think we mentioned it last week, like five assists a game, which kind of surprised me, but he's the kind of guy that's really good at that secondary assist. Like he just knows how to move the ball. He's been on, you know, part of the Spurs. That's that Spurs um, baby. Right. But just, you know, not your typical kind of point guard, but he moves the ball. For me, he's very similar to Lonzo Ball as a playmaker, where he's not really running a bunch of pick and rolls, but you're going to be a better passing team and get better shots if Lonzo Ball or Derek White's on your team. Um, just because of that secondary pass, the being in the right space, reading the off, the, the defense and, and kind of moving the ball in the right direction and making the right play. So, um, I think they can actually be a really a real threat to to make it really deep and even maybe even make the finals if if everything goes right. I think they're that talented, um, yeah. and it'll be re- again this. There's basically six seven teams in the East that are just super like that could that could that could put it all together and yeah. just win it all theoretically. Um, it's really funny too because like the West seems very. Like normally, it was always the Western Conference that was the yeah, like, absolute, yeah. absolute parking lot fist fight of a of a battle. Like where five through ten were all teams that could at any given moment be a playoff team or out of the playoffs. And like I me- I remember for a couple of seasons there, it came down to the last like three games for playoff seating for six through eight. Yeah. Um, in the West, but this year the West seems very top heavy, and I think it's because a lot of uh like teams in the west are kind of in rebuild mode right now obviously it's it's like ebbs and flows you know you can't always be a winning team forever that's no no. so like i think i think the west has kind of weakened a little bit i mean granted i still think like between the suns the warriors and the nuggets if jamal murray comes back and is good like is as good as i hope he will be um i think those three teams are still especially the Warriors and the Suns are my two genuine favorites to win outside of Milwaukee. Like obviously Milwaukee are the number one favorites just because they are the current champs and they have only maintained, if not slightly improved. Yeah. Uh, I, w- I would argue they've definitely more maintained than improved, but yeah. Um, you know, like the, the, if if if, still, if it ain't still a contender. Yeah, like yeah if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they won last year and they won I wouldn't say very closely. Now, granted, the Suns did play really well, but like they did not have a clear answer for Giannis. I mean, the dude, dude dropped fifty in the finals. I don't think that's that's the indication he that he literally like, cost a man his max contract, man. Like, yeah. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I think I think like you know, obviously, other than them though, the East is really like uh, an absolute clusterfuck this this season in a good way, and. I've been loving it um, just so that I can watch games at reasonable hours. And, and, and for me, it's not that the West isn't exciting because I think all those teams, especially if Jamal Murray were to come back um, and I guess if Kawhi and PG, but I feel less kind of optimistic about that, but 
like yeah. even in the West, like I think the Timberwolves are fun. The obviously Memphis is really fun. Um, the Lakers is the Lakers, which is kind of fun in itself. Um, just as a, you know, seeing LeBron fans cry. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that the, the Celtics can just going back to them. I, I definitely think they could um, do really well. I think I do think for whoever comes out of the e- uh, East, I think they need that Cleveland matchup or that um, really a Cleveland or maybe even the Raptors too. Um, but just a team that is just not on that level to, to win. Just so I think everyone else is going to be so beat up um, throughout the playoffs that if you can get like, I, I really like Cleveland, but I don't see them winning around in this Eastern conference. If they're in the West, I'd actually kind of think they have a decent chance, but um, I think that's whoever makes it out will need a kind of a little bit of a favorable draw. Yeah, I I think so. I think, and it'll just come down to, I always hate this expression because it's like so reductionist of NBA caliber talent, but like it'll really, for the East, I think it'll really come down to like the other guys type thing. Um, where like your, your Giannis is, your, your, uh, your Embiid's, they're going to get their buckets, you know? But it's going to come down to like your Chris Middleton's or your Harden's or your half half of Kyrie Irving's for for Brooklyn and Ben Simmons. Like these guys, you know, the the other guys type statement of like they're the ones who are going to be deciding who wins the Eastern Conference in in a lot of games. Because, like I said, like in the in the head to head matchup, I think all the the big name guys on each of these teams will be getting their buckets. Like they're too talented and they have. And yeah. the offense is is structured so powerfully around your Embiid, your Giannis, your KD when he comes back, hopefully, that they're gonna get their 25, 35, even 40 if it if need be. Yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, like I said, like it'll come down to your second, your second option, your third option, even a role player too, are really gonna have to step up because the East, like you said, is just so so competitive. So you really need the difference makers to to step up, not just the guy who is obviously going to get you his points every night. You know? Yeah, no, um, I think I think that's I, what's yeah. so exciting is that these teams are like there's so much they're mm-hmm. so well balanced and there's so many like elite players in the league and especially in the Eastern Conference that really um, it's not just about who has the best player on the team. Um, you know, and like in previous years, but also just as much about who is the best team, right? And I think that's will be really fun. And I'm really, really excited for the play. This is, I think, like the most I've excited I've been for a playoff round that wasn't just because the Raptors were doing really well. Um, and I and I think that's really awesome and, and great for the league and great for basketball. And hopefully it can continue this way. Yeah, yeah, I, I fully agree. I mean, I think this has if if Dallas can match up against the Clippers again for the first round somehow oh my god that would be that's the only thing left for me in these playoffs like I agree with you like this is probably one of the most exciting no, I I need Philly Nets that that's what I need I I need that in my life that'd be just awesome just Ben Simmons getting booed like and I for, guess for hours I guess Harden too um but now nah, you know Brooklyn doesn't really have a great fan base so um, yeah Anyways, but, uh, I th- you know, I think it'll be exciting and hopefully the Celtics, you know, they weren't really a th- you know, they were an afterthought two weeks ago and now they seem really for real. So 
that's kind of another great thing about the the NBA yeah. right now. Yeah, and uh, we still haven't even seen a lot of how the trades have turned out in terms of like a lot of players still haven't been cleared and haven't yeah. played. So like a lot of the big name players, you know, like Harden hasn't played, Simmons hasn't played. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to to see how these teams really adjust and shaping up. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, thank you very much for uh, listeners for this, uh, our third episode of the weekly game seven and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. And uh, if you have topics you'd like us to talk about, if you feel like your team hasn't been covered well enough on this podcast, please uh, let us know and uh, we'll make sure to to keep an eye out and hopefully they'll be interesting enough for us to talk about for fuck's sake. I, I totally <laughs> want to do a deep dive on the Orlando Magic. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. Thank you, listeners. And, and again, yeah, keep us, uh, give us ideas and uh, we'll see you next week. Ciao.